Hey, Kirk. We are good. At least I am. Just another crazy day in the life of the world revolving around the sun. Lots of stuff to talk about, though. Call in if you want to chat. I'm still waiting on people to show up. Cool, cool. I am so ready for summer to be over with. It's been hot. So, Aaron, how do you like the uh, Walmart ban of firearms? And now Kroger's doing it. Hi, Sealy. Bye, Sealy. Hey, Kirk. Hey, Josh. How's it going? Good, good, good. How have you been? Good. Almost sorry I called in. That was some good music you had going on there. <laughs> I'm learning uh, licensing, what I'm allowed to play, how I can play it, when I can play it. <laughs> oh, is that right? <laughs> 
Yeah, because there's um, uh, royalty free music, but you can't use it if you're if you're making money. So, mm-hmm. since I'm not making any money, I can play certain things. Uh, you can't replay them within so many minutes of it being aired. Okay, I had no idea Castbox had that, or is it just? I don't. Movie? No, it's all me. Oh, okay. Oh, because your podcast and stuff, right? Uh, well, it's just that um, I figured out how to do all the audio and stuff without spending a thousand dollars for a soundboard. Um, mm-hmm. so sounds- yeah, I just go and pick out things and then download them to the computer, and then I can queue them up anytime I need them, like I just did. Because there's no oh, point okay. talking to myself, you know. Right. No. No. Absolutely, I understand. Yeah, like I said, I always like. Well, now I know, right? I've got I've got Wednesdays busy. Mm. So yeah, I but I I still always you know work and stuff. You always have things to do, so just wrapping some things up. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I saw you popped in last Wednesday, and then you were out. Um, yeah. Sorry. No. No. Yeah. I, I'm trying. I was playing with stuff, and I didn't know if it was confusion of the, um, the titles and names of things. Because I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to incorporate everything, and if I end up having to make separate accounts with Castbox. So, I was testing things out. I gotcha. It's all good. Yeah. So, how are the how are the neighbors to the south doing this week? Hmm. The neighbors to the south. Uh, yeah. yeah, they're basically all batshit crazy, but... Well, yeah. could be worse, right? Oh, it's going to get worse. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to get worse before it gets better. I'm optimistic, but um, yeah, I mean, you got to anticipate everything, right? Yeah. Well, I'm just taking uh, a page from history. We never learn. Uh, and that's why we're doomed to repeat it, as they say. Oh, it baffled me. Is it that we really don't learn, or is it that I don't know? I, yeah, I, I don't want to complain because I'm not that old, I don't think. And it's just like I don't know. There's like a very. It's almost as if people are allergic to think, uh-huh. and rather than think, it's not that you don't learn from history. It's that I don't know. Maybe people just kind of like. Rather than critically think, they're like, well, we'll just borrow ideas from the past and hopefully this time around that'll work. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I think there's a little bit of everything and there's complacency. Oh, that's, uh, I think that's the word I was looking for, complacency. And then, like you said, it's people still go, oh, well, we can make it better now. Well, it didn't work the past thousand years of history and evolution. Why would we try <laughs> it now? Yeah, and that's, I see that with a lot of Latin American countries. It's like, you know, they hit the brick wall and, and they and they do it again and they hit the brick wall again. And rather than understand that it's a brick wall, they're like, well, if I keep hitting it, it's bound to break down, right? Uh-huh. And you've got cases like Argentina, like again, headed towards a massive crisis. Yeah, you know, and it's like Ava Perón wasn't that long ago and they still didn't learn from that kind of of government and system you know, you have to stop giving control to corrupt leaders and politicians. And well, well, this time, well, I, okay, well, I think in that sense they've kind of matured. 
most countries in Latin America have matured, with the possible exceptions of what countries we already know, right? Mm. But then everybody else kind of realized, well, no, democracy is the way to go. That's the guarantee of, of property rights. That'll help us grow economically. But this time around, uh, they went back to the IMF. They oh, followed strictly the IMF's recipe, you know, cut back on social spending, but in a way that you do it too abruptly. Here's the thing. In economics, once you do things, you can't take them away, right? Because right. people come to depend on these things. So I'm not saying, I just want to make that clear. I'm not saying I am for them. But there were certain subsidies that uh, contributed to people's livelihoods, a bunch of people. And this government took it upon themselves to remove them from one day to the next, quite literally. They did make announcements, right? But in three, six months in a country like that with structural problems, you're not going to find a new job. So they took them away. And when they did, what ended up happening is that over four years, they've added four million people uh, homeless. You heard that right homeless throughout the entire country and it is it's, it's been a disaster right so they followed again the imf recipe and of course it led to quote total fucking collapse right basically yeah. those guys are on the verge of like another hyperinflation i'm i'm looking some of the stuff right now you said and that's argentina right now that's what's yeah. been going on argentina right now so like Friday, this is fresh, right? Last Friday, they put in like uh, currency controls. You can only take out, you can only buy 10,000 US dollars. If you want to buy more than that, um, you have to get like a special permit, if at all possible, which I thought was kind of funny. You've got like what, 20 million people under the poverty line. Yeah, but see, that's how the, that's how they stop the economic collapse. We, you know, America, we did that in 2008 when the recession, I mean, when it went full swing and with the market dropped hundreds of points a day, they right. said, okay, that's it. We're, we're halting everything. They shut down the stock market. The banks were putting a limit on how much money you could withdraw at a time. And right. they, they do that in the hopes that it slows everything down, but it doesn't. It just, it, it prevents no. the inevitable. Right, people panic and they're like, "Oh my God, if they tell me not to do it, it's mm-hmm. exactly right now." The minute you intervene, the minute you just sealed your own fate. Um, and there's like a lot of macro stuff that I'm not going to pretend I understand. I'm I'm trying to understand the whole mess myself right now. I see, and I'm I am trying to find anything on this, and I just can't. Really? But see, it just came out this week though that they were talking about how Google. And I brought this up in a previous podcast or a live cast that Google and these other companies are already deciding what we get as news. Yeah. No, I, I'd go straight to like Reuters, BBC, you know. Yeah, but they're doing the same thing. Reuters, so, maybe not so bad, but yeah. BBC, I don't trust them anymore. Hell, you know who I do trust? Al Jazeera. Yeah, funny enough, right? Like those guys, I got to say, I'm not going to say they're not biased because I really don't understand their bias, but they they kind of take full swing at everybody, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, they've it their bias is in is in the the Islamic the Islamic realm of things. That's to be expected. But as far as everything else, I mean, they're pretty good. 
Yeah, yeah, I've seen when they when they like you know they report on the China thing that's going on right now. Most of the things I even read about, like Canada, was gone there because our prime minister tried to influence the legal system. Believe it or not. I am just okay. So who's the? News headlines. Let's try it this way. Okay, let's go to Reuters. Pulls that one up first. This is because none of this has come through any of my feeds, and I get feeds from all around the world. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. here we go. You're right. Reuters does have. Yeah. You know, Wall Street. Wall Street traders pump up Argentine peso as the currency controls hit home. Oh, lovely. That means we're, we'll feel effect, but not that much. But No, no, there's not a lot of trade going on. And, and the, it's the other way around, right? The Argentine economy has its... its uh, so the way things work in Argentina is that everything is, is like the, the underlying currency is the U.S. dollar. For whatever reason, I really don't know why. But they've decided that they're going to peg everything to the U.S. dollar, which is not bad if you're going to adopt the currency. But if you're going to keep your currency and keep uh, and then understand everything in terms of U.S. dollars, then that's just a recipe for disaster, right? Well, it's it's that the American dollar is the is the largest traded currency. I mean, literally, we yeah. ship pallets upon pallets of of U.S. dollars back and forth different countries every day. Right. Um, we're the only one that does that. And I think a lot of that happened after we, de- we um, not devalued, but um, we okay. took the gold standard off. So it, it, no else, nowhere else in the world is currency literally worth the paper it's written on. Right. So I give you a dollar it's worth a dollar in anything. It doesn't have to be backed by the gold value or silver, none of that. And I think that's why it started to become so tradable because it, you can basically you can spend a dollar anywhere. Right. Um, well, no, everybody understands what a U.S. dollar is, right? Nobody, I think, I don't think even the Argentines understand what a peso is right now. <laughs> nobody does really. No, and I don't mean yeah. that like coy. I'm just being honest, right? Well, yeah, that's. I'm just gonna yeah, know it's sad. It's sad. The thing is, like, here's the thing. Inevitably, Canada, the U.S., Australia, European countries are gonna start to feel the influx of Argentines when that crisis ends up like bursting, right? Yeah. Well, it's no different than what happened in Greece. Yeah. Yeah. That that was sad. That was. See, really and that's why. People don't get when they go, oh, it won't, it doesn't affect us. Well, it does because the stupid Wall Street exchanges everything. Yeah. So, like, I don't invest in Wall Street. I don't invest in stocks. I don't invest in anything like that. Um, so I'm never affected personally. However, a job could be, depending on you know, the business itself, like insurance, usually they're pretty good. But if you worked for a major corporation that invested too heavily in a certain market um, or does business in a certain area, like if you're working for, like if you're in a Wall Street trader office, but Mm -hmm. 
but your sole business is a trade with a South American company, you're right. probably going to be in danger first. You know, um, I don't it, know. You'd have I'd have to look, but I, I know I completely buy your premise. But I guess Argentina is not that really big. I guess if you're like Coca-Cola, you might stop seeing some sales. You're Coca-Cola, right? That's Something what I'm like saying. That. You'd have to be in a company though that would be directly related to yeah. that to that economy. Right. Walmart wouldn't feel the hurt. Nah. No, not in the slightest. But it uh it, it the question would be, is it a sign? Right. Hmm. It, well, like in general, Josh, like the whole world economy is like a little ticking time bomb <laughs> you know because like everybody's nervous what are the chinese going to do what's the mm-hmm. u.s going to respond with you know i either they'll cave or will cave it'll be one of the two man i'm, I'm with you guys but i gotta be honest um let's not kid ourselves right the next round of tariffs didn't go that high because christmas is just around the corner right but after Christmas, everybody's kind of expecting that those things are going to increase. And as far as I understand it, right, reading uh, business reports from companies like, um, you know what Unilever is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> those guys own like a bunch of things. <clears throat> Excuse me. And those guys aren't like thinking of a world without tariffs. They're just they're trying to figure out. There's, they're simulating their profits at, at certain amounts of tariffs. So if like there's 20% tariff, but will a profit be a 25% tariff? But will a profit be 30% tariff? You know what I mean? Yeah, but see, here's the thing that people don't think about. There's a reason why we do business with China. It's the product is done at such a ridiculously cheap rate. We wouldn't even be able to touch it here in America. So... Unilever, um, Walmart, all these big corporations that contract through China to make these products, um, they're pennies on the dollar, basically. We get a lot of like, we have the dollar stores here. UK has their two pound shops, things like that. It all comes Mm -hmm. out of China. It costs pennies on the dollar to manufacture. Mm -hmm. So a 20% tariff for the big guys is nothing. They can absorb it. You, they could still pass it on to us a little bit, but you're talking a 20 cent rise, basically maybe 25 cents, 50 cents for a TV or something. Right. It's, it's, it's nothing. The tariff, like if it got really bad, they'd have to be at a hundred percent, 200%. Then that's a whole different ball game. Cause then you're talking about double the price. But it's that's kind of like the premise of, of behavioral economics, right? What do you feel more intensely, gain or loss? So, like, if you find five dollars on the street, do you feel that with the same intensity as if you lose five dollars? Mm. Well, you particularly maybe maybe a special case, but on average, right, people feel loss, right? But those are the people that have more to lose yeah you know as as an average person if i lose five dollars yeah i'm bummed if i find five dollars it's like okay well that's cool or i'm a wash right depend and that's happened to me 
I lost twenty dollars two days later, found a twenty. Um, but the question becomes with these corporations, it, it's it really is about what they do in return. Um, you know, are they going to pass along, or are they going to absorb? Because for them, they can write the losses. Um, but again, like if I have a small business and I'm ordering from China, my mm-hmm. profit margin is going to be totally different than what Walmart, Unilever, all these different companies would be. So it would be more of a, the small companies that would feel it than the corporations. No, I completely agree. But you're right, like nobody knows what they're going to do. That's the thing, nobody knows yet, right? I don't see Trump committing political suicide because the elections are just around the corner. You know, we've got a year from November before the prime or before the general election. So, if he does anything that screws America, he screws his chances of getting reelected. Because it'll affect everybody, and then no one will vote for him, not even the corporations. So oh, since what's since, the alternative, though? Huh? I'm I'm sorry to cut you off, but like, what's the alternative? Like, I, I gotta be honest, man. No, it'll offense, be a pissing match. On the Democrats, I don't I don't see. You know, this is a genuine question, and I'm not trying to be rude or like disrespectful, but yeah, is Joe Biden like losing? You know, is he maybe? Maybe he should retire, maybe? Yeah, well, I, I think that's kind of the overall um, thought on this is Joe Biden needs to go home, like, permanently. Um, you know, I, I honestly thought it was, like, the right just, you know, taking jabs at him. That's normal, right? Right. But then I him, like, in a couple of interviews, and he's incoherent. It's really <laughs> yeah. hard to understand. No, no, I'm not, I'm not trying no, to. No, I'm that. laughing because it's like, that's the thing. Nobody's nobody's seeing or hearing what's going on because they're only seeing what they want to be shown. Right. Those of us that go in and we're actually, um, you know, watching the extended clips or really doing the research, we're seeing the truth. So that's, that's the whole thing. It is about a perspective because the left and mainstream media, or even in Canada, you have the socialist thinkers there they're only going to give you what they want you to see. Right. Um, but no, he's, he's absolutely just as batshit crazy as Nancy Pelosi. I mean, have you even uh, seen her talk and how she does her speeches and things? Yeah, it's, uh, well, more, more the home base and what I, what I kind of work on, right. She called Trudeau and, you know, it's, it's the, the new negotiated trade agreement isn't isn't home yet, so they're going to debate it, and their their concern is like the labor standards, right? And we'll see how that plays out as well. Yeah, he but he's not going to he won't commit suicide on politically. I think Aaron would agree on that. He's not a dumb business guy, so not unless he wants to not be president again, right? Exactly. <clears throat> Um, that's that's the only foreseeable future I see with that, you know. The, yeah. But as far as are you, are you talking about union labor? Um, no, I, they, I I honestly just read the news, and I've had, this is what I'm going to do over the weekend. Actually, look over what uh, what exactly the problem is. 
Well, because uh, like you, you guys were talking about Walmart. Sorry to cut you off, Josh. Go ahead. No, there's just a delay. Um, I just didn't catch the last part of what Kirk said. You're actually coming in kind of quiet, but Kirk was originally talking about the tariffs with China and like, will it get out of hand? And I don't think it will because the corporations at this point, 20% tariff, they can absorb. It's the small businesses that are in, that are going to feel that pinch. Well, uh, the, that also goes hand in hand with, well, big corporations. Yeah. They're going to absorb it, but in what way are they going to absorb it? Or are they going to do layoffs? Well, to yeah. sidestep that. I don't think at 20%, I don't think there's going to be anything major done about it. I think they're going to wait. It'll be a question of like I was telling Kirk, if he decides and it becomes a hundred percent tariff, which is not out of the the realm of possibilities. If you get yeah. a, a, a trade war um, at that point, yes, the corporations are either going to resource their manufacturing, which could bring it back to the U S and then actually be a good thing for us. But be- which people, but that's, see, that's the thing. That's the big argument right now. So uh, sorry to stop you right there. So to bring it back to the U S that's where a lot of people, you know, like let's, let's take Eric, for example, his argument is, well, big corporations, they get all the tax breaks. Well, they get the big tax breaks because they're here and they create jobs and those jobs spend money or those employees spend money from their paycheck and it's what trickle down economics. That's how that works. You give big corporations tax breaks to come into your state or your country because they don't want to pay the exorbitant amounts of money to do their business there. Mm. Correct, Josh, or am I wrong on that? Well, yes, it's, but like I said, it, let's. if you take the example of tariffs get out of hand and they say, all right, look, we're done. We can't do business with China anymore. And they say, all right, look. We'll, or in the United States. Well, the United States could possibly work or they would have to do it. The question would be, how would it impact? So would there be jobs, if there are jobs, how many? If the products are manufactured in the United States, how much does the price point change? And then who do you recontract with for distribution, things like that? It's That's not going to happen overnight. It, that just won't. Yeah. You, you could work out something. I mean, we're already seeing it, right? We've seen that with the, the, the Canadian tariffs and issues that we had last year, year before, we ended up bringing... Yeah steel manufacturing back to the United States and U S steel reopened one of their plants. I can vouch for that because I have worked in the steel industry and I'm getting ready to get back into it. So yes, I can vouch for that. Now prices go up. However, um, they weren't (laughs) exorbitant amounts. So we can still work within the parameters. It's just not as cheap as things were before. But everything goes up, though. It's not just right. – it's not as minute as you're, as you're thinking. It, it is it is across the board. Um, you know, if, if it costs me this much or, or a company this much to build a shipping truck, like the one that just drove by the front of my house to haul cattle, 
and it costs that much money to build that truck to haul cattle, then the price of beef goes up. Well, if it costs that much to haul beef around because it cost me that much to buy a new trailer, then fuel's going to go up. Everything right. goes up. Right. But see, I didn't say it was minute. What I'm saying is if those changes are made gradually, we can absorb them. It's not something like if, if it happened overnight, um, like Kirk was talking about with, with Argentina, like overnight things were changing. They were making where you yeah. could get money. Jobs were gone. That's chaotic. We're, like in 2009. Right. With Everything example, disappeared literally overnight. Right. With the example of the U.S. steel situation, where we're now manufacturing steel again in the United States, while the prices yes. have gone up, they haven't been sharp enough where people go, oh, my God, it, it's over. We can't buy steel anymore. We're no. The homes can't be built. It was gradual. And I agree with you on that. It's not like it's, it's a lot different than the we demand $15 an hour for flipping a burger. Exactly. That's an overnight yeah. hit that you cannot absorb. You're not ready yeah. for it. Instantaneous, not gradual. So those are the things, though, that as America, we're not like Canada, the UK, Europe. We operate within a very cheap parameter. So in order for everyone to prosper or for everybody to, to have manufacturing here and to bring back jobs and growth and all that, there will be a give and take and we're going to have to end up where things are going to become more expensive. You, and yes. Then, and then it cycles. So you get more money, but it costs more money and then you get more money and it costs more money. So yeah, I was, I was, I was in a conversation with my mom because hot rods are real big here in the, you know, the old muscle cars are real big here in the, in the rust belt. So if you don't know that Kirk, uh, the rust belt is the midwood, like Northern Midwest, a lot of factory work here. Um, you know, muscle cars, you still see them everywhere here because you can still go to a farm and find them for four grand. But I was having a conversation with some people and my mom is new here and she was saying, well, I, I, I bought a, uh, it, it wasn't a Nova. It was a Comet or something like that. And she goes, it was, it was burgundy with a white leather top and checkerboard seats, you know, that were bucket and three in the tree. And it was a, 308 or something like that was you know was the engine and brand new off the showroom floor i paid four grand mm. now that's 60 70 thousand dollar car if it was in pristine condition and then to get one off the showroom floor would be close to 100 grand yeah but see um you buy a car for four thousand dollars off the showroom floor back then they were making dollar and a half two dollars and a quarter an hour exactly so those are the but it's no different than what we're working with today and another 20 years down the road it'll be the same thing that's inflation but no well those were factory workers that deserve to make more because of the hard work they did not flipping burgers no but see that's that's not the economics in it it has nothing to do with inflating a wage. Okay. So did it cost value. more for the steel? Well, no, everything costs less. Well, because we were making it in-house. But if you talk about what it was then, it cost no different than what we would pay today. It's all relative. 
No, I see what you're saying. So it just means we print more money, we print more money, we print more money. Everything well, it becomes, becomes useless. Money. Well, it will, but it's it's also the thing of lumber. Lumber becomes more expensive because of the demand, and then you have to deforest more. Concrete becomes more expensive because of all the materials, the machines. As the machines become more expensive, so does everything else. So while there's progression and, and things get easier, simpler, faster, there's also a cost that goes along with that. Yes. We'll just we'll never get away from it. There's also like underlying factors. Sorry to cut you off, guys, but no, you're fine. There's like oil. Mm -hmm. Um, It was much easier to pump out oil back then because all the easy wells had been discovered. Having used up all that oil to basically fuel the economic growth through the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, now oil is becoming more difficult to find, right? And it's not as well. The U.S. started producing its its own oil. Not uh, all the easy oil is gone, right? Well, like the, the that's why OPEC flooded the market in what was it, two thousand fourteen, two thousand fifteen, because like the the Middle East, the Saudi Arabia, I think they're the ones that are in charge of OPEC. They flooded the market because the United States became the number one producer in the world. Now, for the United States to produce oil. Yes, it is expensive for us because it is not easy to get to. But for Saudi Arabia, because we have to do directional drilling, we have to do fracking and all that stuff, it's very expensive, not cheap for us to do. That's why we were booming in Williston, North Dakota with the Bakken Formation and stuff like that and call on the eastern slope of Colorado, Oklahoma, stuff like that. Now, for the Middle East, they don't have to really do directional drilling, nor do they really have to do fracking. So that's the difference. So what happened once we became the number one producer of crude oil in the world, they flooded the market and it skyrocketed. Well, that was part of the problem. The other part of the problem is the jackass speculators in Wall Street that speculate the trade prices and that's, that, that goes into it. So it's never just one thing. You're talking about futures. Right, and it's never just one thing that creates the problem. It's everybody. But OPEC, OPEC did. I was working in Oilfield at the time, and I lost my job because of it. And a lot of good people did because OPEC flooded the market so much so a lot of companies went bust. What'd you I say? Wanna, sorry, sorry. I just also want to point out that OPEC is only. I think it's only like ten or fifteen countries. There's many more producers of, of oil. But, but they are the core producers, and they are the main producers. Well, that used to be the. That's case. why OPEC. That's why OPEC is so involved. I'm sorry, Kirk. I'm losing you in the volume. Are you able to boost your volume? Can you hear me? This the same. Better. No. Let me call back in. Okay. Um, but like OPEC was just the one we were buying from. We've been stockpiling ours. Russia's been stockpiling. The biggest problem. So it's never just one individual person. It, there's there's all the different factors that go into it. Yes. But being a part of that, I will. Uh, 
and experiencing it firsthand and watching how that happened, I will stand by what I stand by. Well, again, that's that's just one part of it, though. You were on yeah. the main floor of that change, and I was on production end of that. But I mean, you were on the end of of those uh, the effects of that. If we were selling our own oil or consuming our own, there wouldn't have been an impact. The price is. And, uh, again, I'll agree with you on that because we don't use our sell. We don't use our own oil, and nor do we sell it to ourselves. We sell it overseas. A fraction, and but most of it is stockpiled. We actually are sitting on one of the. When everything goes to crap and everybody's out, we have the oil. That was the whole point. There's a massive, massive stockpile of oil that they've stored underground, and then like all these oil fields that they find, they cap or they pump up a bit of it and then it goes underground into new reservoirs. Then they put them in barrels and then they're stored in facilities. So only a a small fraction of what we even produce ever leave. Only recently... Iran, that has to do with... uh, with, What do they they call those when you put stops on countries? Josh, I'm having a brain fart. An embargo? Yeah, well, not an embargo, but uh, Nigeria, Mexico, Iran all produce oil. Yes, I understand they do. I just saw your your stuff, Kirk, but not on the level of Saudi Arabia, Iraq, which obviously no. the United States has interest in, and so does mm-hmm. a lot of other Eastern or Western European countries. But enough to influence world price and what you're referring to, but the sanctions, right? You, you're, you are so quiet. Oh my goodness, I, I really don't know. Let, okay, let me check. What about now? Kind of the same. Are you using a microphone? Yeah, I'm using my phone. No, I'm using my phone, sorry. Oh, it's your Oh, are you on speaker? Uh, no. Well, let me check. You actually sound a little louder right there. Yeah, how about now? No, that's even worse. <laughs> yeah, that got worse. Aaron's like really loud coming through. Coming through. How about now? No, it's the same. Oh my goodness. I don't know what to do, guys. Sorry. No, no, it's okay. I just Aaron comes through so so vibrant that it drowns you out. <laughs> Are you still there? Yeah, maybe. I'll yeah, in. sorry, sorry, Aaron. Yeah, I'm here. Kirk, you always come in quiet, buddy. No, this this time he's been especially quiet. But the your volume comes through so loud, I can't control yours to get his in. It's nobody control me, buddy. No, <laughs> it's the. Uh, uh, I'm not even on the microphone right now. I'm just using my phone. Oh. Yeah, it's just until I can get a... That's why I think I'm going to move away from CastBox because it it really is limited um, for what I need to do. But, you know, for now, it is what it is. But what would Glenn Beck say? Uh, I don't know. What would Glenn Beck say? I don't, I'm not even doing it, buddy. I'm not. I'm not going there. Um, 
Kirk, actually, <laughs> I have my own radio station that I launched. It's an internet radio station. Um, so I'm thinking of shifting everything over to that because it also has a call-in option that's similar to CastBox. And um, I can control it better than what I can control here. Like here, I can't really take one at a time. Like I can have eight people all together, but I can't control you. You either call in or you drop off. Um, that's the Kirk agrees with me. Uh, it's just trying to get everybody to shift over. That's going to be a transition. So I, I, I have to make these points in, in some live casts to get the message out because I can't instant message any of you that are listening. Um, that's, you know, that's kind of the downside of it, but. Well, you it, can't message right now. No, like I can do it in chat, but I can't instant message you. So like, I can't send out a message to all my fans. Oh, gotcha. Um, but what you can do, Kirk, if you go to my website, which is AmericanPerspectiveShow.com, you can sign up to get um, updates. And then when I get everybody signed up that way, I can do a thing that says live show tonight as a reminder, and then everybody would get it. I just can't do that here unless I... So who, who all is listening right now? Is Can you tell? Um. See, that's the other thing with CastBox. I'm never 100% sure because right now it's showing me I have three. Um, on the radio station, because I'm still getting used to theirs too, I'm not seeing anybody, but I don't know if that means that they're not on the physical site because it actually has three different ways to listen. There's a, You gotcha. can listen live on my website. You can listen live through, through um, Xeno Radio, which is the main... Uh, server system and then I have like a, a second party site through them so I just don't know how it calculates yet I'm still working out all the bugs well I'm sharing some uh, links right now just to see if we can get some I'm fishing I uh, appreciate it the the most excellent news I that I, I mean I'm going to talk about throughout the night uh, over the next couple of weeks is I am going to actually have a booth set up at Trump stock which is in Kingman, Arizona, October 4th, 5th, and 6th, um, has huge headliners. Uh, a friend of mine, Jody, who's been on here doing the commentary, um, she's got me all set up to do this. So I'll be there for the, the three days, um, hopefully broadcasting live, and then I'll be able to interview all the big headliners. I think Candace Owens might be going. David Harris Jr. is going. That would be awesome. So you're actually going to be there broadcasting live. That's the hope. Yes. At the very least, I'll have to record content and then upload it. Okay, louder with Crowder. Yeah, not really looking forward to that part, but. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? Why not? Weird. Like, I don't want to be walking around 10,000 people going. Oh, I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not saying walk around. You're going to, you're going to create enough storm there. They're just going to walk by you and be like, you're an, you're an asshole. You're this, you're that. How can you be a Trump? You should, you know, the best thing you should do is make a rainbow flag and then put Trump 2020 on it. Yeah, not happening. I am dead (laughs) against that. (laughs) Oh. And actually, after what happened to me here, and you read what I post on Facebook. I, I did, and I got in an argument with your friend, and I do apologize for that. Oh, yeah. But I was not, not going to back down. No, 
I don't don't feel bad. I don't feel bad. He deserved it because people just think that that's the problem with liberals. Liber- and see, the whole thing was is he never bothered to ask me, "Is everything okay? What happened? Why are you upset? You know, is there anything we can do?" Blah blah blah. He never cared. It was all about defense. But, but I went fishing on his Facebook page and I found that let's be tolerant of thy neighbor uh-huh. and blah 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 and. And then I posted that in his arguments, and then and then the one thing what what he and he ended it with, uh, and then you know me with the memes. I'm sorry I went too far, but I was laughing. So was my mom. <laughs> but you know the if he's so if he's so tolerant, which the left the far I'm not going to say the left, but the far left claim to be, which is the ones that are causing all this anarchy and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and and civil disobedience and civil unrest if they're, if they're so approval if they're of so many different types of people then why do they act like that and then say oh well i can't say anything i'm not welcome here but yet i was even trying to get him to talk i was not chastising him i was not i was just no he but he talked at you so that was the whole yeah. thing it's that he was he was constantly in defense of of AOC and all the people that we know are anti-Semitic and didn't even bother to ask me about my feelings or what happened to make you, you know, like that's all it was. And he never took the time to go, Josh, well, I want to understand why you feel this way. Nope. Never took that time. Yep. So that's why I didn't feel bad about it. Uh, And I messaged him back Mm -hmm. and I, he goes, obviously this isn't the forum for a liberal to be speaking. And I said, welcome to my world. Well, good night. <laughs> like, yeah, you don't want to admit that the shoe's on the other foot. Now that you are experiencing what conservatives, Republicans, or anyone anti-left is experiencing, our feelings are invalid. You know, speaking of left, I like Tulsi Gabbard. I do, too. I mean, as a worst-case scenario, I like her. Oh, she's a... Uh cry in the dark from uh, Hillary. Right. But see, and the left Bernie and her. Joe Biden. Yeah. No, there I've already heard, I've already read news articles I've shared with you um, that we've talked about where they're already trying to shut her down because she's too moderate left. She's not far left enough. Yeah. She's the voice of reason. Yeah. She, see, the, that's what I have a, a problem with the Democratic Party right now is is they don't want to be moderate. They just want to go hard, far left. And I don't get that. I really don't understand that. Why? You used to be the party of the people. What the hell happened? You know, you, you were the party that created the unions and got people to have breaks. Mm-hmm. What 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 happened? You know, they, they were, they literally were the ones that got people to have lunch breaks and breaks in the afternoon, breaks in the morning, you know, when they were FMLA. at work. FMLA was a Clinton thing. We have, we have that to think if you work in an office of 75 or more people, Yeah, uh, you know, you get protections of up to 12 weeks a year for medical or family related issues, you know? So yes, there's there have been some good things that they've done. The problem is, is that that's not who they are anymore. Yeah, it's just the bad things they've done, like you know the KKK stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, but they 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 were the party that freed the slaves. <coughs> okay. Uh, yeah. No, they were. 
one to begin with. But, you know, I digress. Uh, well, I digress. I like <laughs> that. that. You know, it is what it is, right? I mean, here is the world we're handed. So let's just go ahead and eat this elephant one bite at a time. Yeah. I, uh, I'm going to trade you and Kirk back and forth, if you don't mind, because that's what... Well, that's fine. Kirk I'll said. hang up. Um, so do that. Don't go anywhere. I'll bring him back on. I I'll stay on. I'm going to hang up, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. I'll, I'll still listen, but I'm going to hang up. I'll chime in through Messenger. Okay. All right. All right, so uh, Kirk, you, you can proceed. There you are. And welcome back. How's this? Uh, yeah, you're quiet, but I can boost you. I just can't boost everybody individually. So uh, oh. give me a second. Aaron, thanks, man. Thanks for being so cool about it. And yep. yeah, I'll stay on when you come back. So um, now I boosted your audio. Everybody can hear you perfectly fine. It's just when there's cool. two of you, I can't individually do it. Oh, man, that sucks. But like I said, if you find something better than this, yeah, I wouldn't mind migrating. Well, and it's kind of nice. Um, if you, you can do it right now on your phone because you're on CastBox, so you can actually deviate. Um, but if you go to – it's Zine – here, let me, let me put it in chat because you can kind of play with it. It's kind of neat. You'll see what I'm talking about. Cool. Uh, so it's Zeno.fm. One. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Um, so when you go onto it, because because I'm I'm simulcasting to that that stream right now, when you pull it up, there'll be a little phone icon there. Oh, maybe that's what I should have you guys do. You can call in on the radio system, and I can add you from that one. Maybe it works differently. Um. Or Aaron, you could do that. If you go to that Zeno.fm forward slash Sky1, um, you'll see a little phone icon, and it'll allow you to call in just like you do on CastBox. I'm wondering um, wondering if it works that way. I haven't even been able to test this out. I just simulcast the stream, and we go on with the show. <laughs> but uh, So um, you, have, you were born and raised in Canada, Kirk? Yes. What but, is? Uh -huh. Yeah. No, go ahead. What was the but? No, no. I I have family in North Dakota and why and Montana. Sorry. Okay. But that, no. Yeah. So you were you've been born and raised. You've lived in Canada. Um, what is the the gun situation there? I I know it's a little bit different than us, but it's not like the UK, right? No, we're kind of in between. I think the U.S. and the U.K. You can get you can get guns here. It's just um, not really in the culture, you know. Right. Yeah. No, but there's really no impediment to getting like guns and stuff. So one of the things that uh, and Aaron will want to chime in on this because uh, we're you know we think alike here. The city of San Francisco or the county, whatever it is that's there. Um, they designated the National Rifle Association as a domestic terrorist organization. Interesting. Uh, which technically they can do. I mean, technically, 
However, if you challenged it in court, it'd be found to be unconstitutional um, because you can only you can only increase federal law. You can't circumvent federal law. So right. there hasn't been a terrorist designation federally. Technically, they can't do it. But um, so they, they did that. And then on top of things, Walmart decided that nobody can come into their stores carrying a firearm, whether it's concealed or not. Right. And they stopped selling ammunition and, and hunting rifles, which that's been part of the game for 60, 70 years. Um, and then today, Kroger, which is the nation's largest grocery store chain, they announced that nobody can come into any of their stores uh, concealed or not. So they're banning firearms. Basically, it's going when companies start doing that, it disarms the public. And that's how right. they're trying to get around the whole, you know, instead of taking guns away because they know they can't, they're just going to make sure that you basically can't take it anywhere. I have a question. Is it true that in like the universities in Texas, you can like carry a gun with you and like it's just clipped on your belt and you can just be in class and you've got a gun? Yes. So uh, Arizona, which, you know, I'm in Arizona. So basically the same right. thing. Um, okay. It is open carry. So as long as you can see it, you don't need a permit. Once oh, it's concealed, right? you're supposed to have a concealed permit. Um, it's better to have it anyway, because just the, just because of the way things are going, if anybody was to question you, right. Um, give me a second, Aaron, cause I won't be able to hear Kirk, uh, but I know I already said you were going to want to comment on this because, well, and actually Aaron would know more about the permits and stuff. Cause he does the, um, uh, in his line of business, but, um, yeah, I think, yeah, on guns, maybe it's Aaron. That's more knowledgeable for sure. So, like, I have a firearm. I, I have two. I don't take them with me, um, but that's my choice. Right. Um, the, um, there's just there's so many ends up ends. It's actually better to have the concealed weapon permit because if any question ever came into you using the firearm, then they, they try to use it against you. So... It's better to have it because you can go, yeah, I've been trained. I've gone through certification. I know what I'm doing. And right. then it puts it back on, on law enforcement. And they've already tried doing that here twice. Um, so don't, don't uh, quote me on this, but I think the only difference, the only, well, besides the culture, right? But the only real difference in like legality, mm -hmm. um, and what I mean by that is like the laws, right? The only difference I think between Canada and the States is that you um, so my understanding is that you can go to like a gun show in the States, right? And you can just buy a gun. Is that true? Y yes, we can. Okay. I don't, so I think that can't be done in Canada. So I think you have to like register or whatever, but in, in the end you can get basically whatever you want and it's not yeah. really all that complicated. Yeah. I think that's the only difference is you guys don't have an open sale format like we do. Yeah, it's still yeah, registered. It's it's still a background check, um, but they do it in fifteen minutes. You guys can't come over and do it. That's a no no. No. Um, no. But yeah, like when I bought my first firearm, 
it's there's a big national chain called Cabela's. They're a huge urban outfitter, not an urban, uh, hunting, sporting, fishing, whatever, you know, basically anything. And they have this massive uh, firearm. Oh, we section. have that here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I went in. I was I cleared everybody else that was in line in less than ten minutes. I mean, picked it up, held it, filled out the paperwork. I was out the door, and everyone's looking around, going, "How did he do it?" I was twenty. No, how old was I? I think I was thirty years old when I did it somewhere around there. And I've never had any conviction. I've never been arrested, nothing. So I breezed through. Um, And a lot of my stuff was fresher anyway. And uh, other people can take, you know, 15 minutes. It can take 45 minutes, sometimes an hour. Um, They're just trying to make it harder. So now it's like, it's a seven day clearance. Okay. Okay. So you know what? Um, sorry to cut you off there, Josh. I'd actually like to hear what uh, Aaron has to say because I'm not really the gun guy. Like, I'm not really knowledgeable that kind of thing. So I'll hop off here and let him. Let, let's see what he has to say. Okay, that cool. Yeah, and and try go over to the Zeno.fm Sky One. Yeah, see if you can try, try calling that. in with that in a little bit and see how it works. I haven't tested it out. For sure, for sure. Okay, cool. All right, Aaron. It's kind of like, uh, like uh, political leapfrog. So uh, <laughs> it is, but it's fun. Yeah, well, sort of. It's, it's you know, it's, it's a lot of people <laughs> Not for you, it. but yeah, exactly. For me it is. So let's go back to this because I, um, I want to make sure I'm clear. You don't need a CCW in Arizona for open carry. No. You only need it for concealed nope. carry. Nope, neither one. That's not what I'm told. Well, you need to relearn your laws. No, I think it's they they screwed things. The um, no, they they changed that law. Dead serious. Look it up. Yeah, I'm going they to- changed that law because the people that were were getting their CCW and getting their firearms legally and going through that class were mostly females between the ages of, I believe, 21 and 35. Oh, I don't know. But don't quote me on that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything and about it. And they did away with the CCW. That's why when you go into bars, if you look to your right or the left of any door, when you're walking into any bar in Arizona, it says, because that was also a part of that, you could legally carry a firearm into a bar but they started posting it. They also amended a law into that that's said if – I forget what the ARS statute is, but if it was posted on the entrance, you cannot legally carry your firearm in that, into that establishment. Yeah, and I, yeah. so it does say uh, at least 18 years old to open carry. You can be 18 years old and carry a, and carry a pistol. Hold you on, just can't purchase one. If you let me finish, I'm going to... I'm sorry. So it does say... Samson, I'm sorry. ...one years old or over to conceal carry a firearm without a permit. They still remain a shall-issue policy for reciproc... I'm not even going to do it. I have problems. Reciprocity. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, The permit's issued to residents and non-residents. With one other... other If you're going to act in accordance in, in some type of legal fashion, like, say... 
uh, executive protection, private investigation, private security, anything like that, you have to have a CCW. Yeah, and see, what ended up happening with me that got into the, the topic, um, and, and here's here's how the CCW quick, so Arizona CCW quick facts is what they call it. Carry it in a vehicle, yes. Must notify an officer, no. Carry in state parks allowed, yes. No weapons, signs enforced, yes. Open National parks you can't carry in. Right, I said state parks, didn't I? If I didn't say yeah, state sorry, parks, I was adding, I was I was adding something there. You can you can carry in a state park, you just can't discharge. Right, you can't even discharge within a city, a municipal area within so many feet or mile and a half, something like that. A mile yeah, and a half, okay. mile and a half. Uh, open carry permitted, yes. Carry in bars, see details, which is what you just talked about. And constitutional carry, yes. Now, here's what's been happening. So um, you can have it in a car and you don't need to notify the officer is what it says, right? That's just stupidity on its own if you don't. Well, here's the thing. I think I think it's I think out of respect to a law a law enforcement officer, you should declare you have a firearm. Sure. I will never not say that. That's just out of respect. So there, there's a talking point. However, a law enforcement officer isn't even allowed to ask you if you have a firearm in the vehicle. Because if it's a concealed carry, regardless, if you have permit or not in Arizona, you don't have to notify because it's a concealed carry. Then it gets into the constitutional okay. carry issue. So um, if it's in your glove box, let's say, and it's a routine traffic stop and it's not visible, they're not even allowed to ask you. So I never take it with me anywhere because it's too much of a pain in the ass right now. And I just keep it at home for and, protection. And that's why I say if you, you know, if, if you're law abiding and you have no issue, then what is there to hide? Why make an officer's job any harder than it needs to be? Just say, yes, sir, keep your hands on your, you know, you, you come from a law enforcement background family. Keep your hands on your steering wheel, roll your, right. your windows down, turn your car off. Right. I declare, anytime I've ever been stopped, I declare. You know why? Because I don't want there to be any misunderstanding. Well, that's, see, that's the whole thing. If it's a routine traffic stop, they're not supposed to even ask you because you're in and out, right? It's it's the thing about, um, no wonder nobody's been. You're, you're talking about overreach is what you're talking about. Yeah, give me, give me one second. Overreach of civil rights. Hold on. What the hell is going on with this thing? One more time. Yeah, I'm just realizing, Kirk, that there's an issue. Uh, it's not streaming, so it. Give me a second. I don't know why it's doing this. I just probably have too many things going on at once. Um, so typical, typical Josh, too many things at once. Yeah. Um, 
it's not so much the overreach that concerned me is that there are not all there are asshole police officers and what ends up happening yeah. is you it, the first words out of your mouth you say i have a firearm you just elevated the issue because the officer, no, I don't. I don't go. I don't. <laughs> I don't say I have a gun. I don't. I don't. There's a gun on my car. I don't. I don't do that. Like, what are you stupid? Like, <laughs> no, no. You would the officer walk people. up. Yeah. The, <laughs> it's the thing, the, the There's minute, a gun in my car. <laughs> sorry. The minute that you interject that, it elevates. See, because they're already in this this environment. Uh, you know, police shootings. So. I don't I, even. Like, I, I I'm. I disagree, but that's just me. Right, but but again, that's a choice, not a. I agree or disagree. That's just a choice. I'm just. Yeah. Well, I've I've come across that. a bunch of idiots, and I wasn't a. I'm not a post-certified peace officer or anything like that. I have done high-risk security in in Phoenix. I've also been an executive officer for celebrities. Um, or executive protection agent, however you want to call it, for celebrities when they come and visit Phoenix. Um, the stuff I did was along the I-17 corridor. I'm not going to give any names of companies that I've worked for. I'm not going to give any places um, that we were hired, we were contracted to work for. But I'll tell you right now, if you're going to be an idiot and you're going to carry a firearm and you're going to act in a certain manner, you're going to be dealt with in a certain manner. That's mm -hmm. just how that cookie crumbles. Because I'll tell you right now, and I've told this to people I've put in handcuffs, you know who's going home tonight? Me. I don't care how I have to go home. I'm going home. And I treat every single person I've come across, whether they've been homeless, whether they've been a crackhead, whether they've been a gangbanger, whether they've been a prostitute, I don't care. I treated them as if how I wanted to be treated. That that right there, the ball's in their court. It goes in their direction. If they want to be honest with me, and and I've with many Phoenix PD, Josh, I'm I'm assuming you know many Phoenix PD officers. I've worked with a lot of them. They agree, you know. I've been told multiple times by Phoenix PD, what the hell are you doing here? And you're working by yourself. Well, you know, I'm good at my job. I'm good at reading people. And I give them, the individual that I'm approaching, the opportunity to take it where it's going to go. Because my job is to de-escalate that situation. No matter what, my job is to de-escalate. Same with a law enforcement, a peace officer. Their job is to de-escalate. I don't care if it's verbal judo. I don't care if it's physical judo. The job is to de-escalate because they're going home at the end of their shift. That's it and that's all. It's going to go wherever you take it. Yeah. <laughs> so be pronounced what's going on. If you want to be a, a civil person and you want to let me know that you have a firearm, okay, by all means. All right, now we'll go ahead. If you don't mind, put your hands up. I'm going to de-arm you 
for not only my safety, but your safety as well until we have this situation resolved. Then you're going to get your firearm back, and we're going to all go about the rest of our evening or our day, whatever shift it is. Yes. You know, I, I, I've never been mad that, a, that, a, that, a, that an officer pulled me over and I declared I have a firearm. Oh, well, where is it? I'm not going to touch it, but it's in my glove box or it's in my center console or it's on my hip. Okay, sir, can you please take your seatbelt off and step out of the vehicle? And they take apart. I can't even tell you how many times it's happened. I've, I've had to put my hands on my head because I've been at a, nat, at a state park like Roosevelt Lake where an MCSO officer disarmed me, took apart my firearm. A Glendale PD officer pulled me out of my vehicle because I declared I had a firearm and they took apart my firearm, took every round out of the magazine, took the slide off, took the pipe out. They disassembled it, left it on the hood so they could leave. Everything was well. I went home, they went home, no big deal. And I've done that. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Are you oh, there? It just went really quiet, and I was hoping I didn't just. Disappear. Well, I just I was I was allowing people to interject if they want to interject. I was just saying that's why that's why officers most of the time do what they do. Right. I just you know it's just yeah. I mean, I, luckily when I got pulled over at the beginning of the year, I didn't have any issues. But you know. I've I've seen what goes on around here anyway, but hey, hey man, you remember Glendale, brother? <laughs> <laughs> and it's a different story nowadays. Uh, Kirk says sorry. That All right, I'll you. hang up the phone and I'll let somebody else in. <laughs> All right. All right. All right, Kirk, you're welcome to come on back. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, no, just uh, enjoying the little, um, yeah, expose there. But again, <laughs> Canadian isn't exactly the person they're going to ask about weapons, right? Well, it's not that we're asking about weapons. It, my my question was just to kind of get what what it is like over there versus uh, the U.S. So yeah, you can't get them. It's just it's not really. It, the thing is, it's it's in your guys' constitution, right? And it stems from all the way back. So there's like a culture of it. Whereas here, we really don't have that concept, I don't think. Not in society, anyway. You you probably would, because <laughs> the establishment of the, the Canadian frontier, everybody right. was weaponized. You had to be. Um, but it's it's the modern ages where it was, you know, let's shy away from it or make it harder or... Uh, you know, it just things do change. You know, you guys are just as uh, big of a melting pot as we are. Uh, uh, got like eighty something indigenous groups. Yeah, groups. And and if I must say so myself, there's a lot of wounds that haven't healed or aren't even in the process of healing. So I think also that's where the taboo kind of stems from as well. You know. Hmm. That's a interesting thought it's very possible um 
you figure, I, I think the difference would be like here in America, um, we were embattled um, all the way up through the late 1800s, you know, so not so much that it's a culture. I think that we didn't stop growing. We didn't stop fighting. We didn't stop wars, you know, everything. There were so many things going on within the United States. Right. Um, maybe that is the difference. Um, well, you also, I think, sorry, sorry to cut you off. So from the gold rush in California, right? Um, that attracted all kinds of people, right? And you needed weapons. That At that point, obviously, it made sense to have guns because, you know, law enforcement in the 1800s was next to nil, right? It was basically you're on your own. Whereas the way we added Western Canada was by building a railroad, right? And if we hadn't, we would have lost it to the U.S., actually. Like British Columbia, Alberta would all now be part of part of the U.S. As it should be. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll give, we'll give you guys Quebec. <laughs> no, that's yeah. not the deal. You can keep Eastern <laughs> You can keep the French Canadians. Yeah, we'd have a nice island to go like vacation in the summers, eh? <laughs> Uh, that was one of the things that came through. Um, I guess it was 2008, 2009. There was that talk of Western Canada trying to secede. They were so fed up. And uh, Calgary, all these other cities, you know, all throughout the West, they were all like ready to become Americans. And right. they were all, um, you know, asking, you know, can we leave? Can we become part? And, and of course, all, everyone in America is like, yeah, you guys are welcome. We're practically brothers and sisters anyway. And, oh, yeah. of course, um, you know, the um, parliament, you know, and everybody else was like, oh, no, you can't do that. And it's like, no, we'll take them. <laughs> we don't care. Yeah, they didn't let us go. So, like, the next best thing is, well, take Quebec, right? What do we care? Yeah, you don't. We get stuck with them. Yeah. Man, those guys live well. Yeah. A lot of like a lot of our 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 uh, like supply management, they get the best amount of quota. They've got like they've got a lot of perks. Like their their healthcare system, theirs is the best in the whole country. Mm-hmm. Well, there's still a price that you pay. You know, you right. can have free healthcare all you want. Somebody's footing the bill, or something is being capped or regulated in order to make it affordable. So, right. you know, nothing's well, perfect. Something I've, I've been thinking about as of late, right? As like new economies depend on, on more human capital than actually producing stuff. It's more about information technologies, satellites. We're basically now in a new colonial age, except this time it's in space and thank God nobody's going to get oppressed. It's like healthy competition, right? The only way to compete in, in that arena is to have like highly skilled human capital, right? Mm-hmm. So in that sense, I'm not, I don't know. Whenever they talk about free education, you know, the debate gets all muddied up and then people are like, wow, who's going to pay for it in this? And while that is true, let's keep in mind that whenever you give people education, you can tax them for like years and years to come, right? So you more than make up the money. And thinking of it in like a strategic sense, 
basically the next generation of well countries into the next you know 30 to 50 years will depend on how much human capital they have right so it's a, i think it's an interesting thought to, to kind of contemplate because well here in canada education is expensive uh at the university level right and they bogged down with student loans and stuff but it's nowhere near as bad as in the u.s i think uh, yeah, I would assume um, it's probably not, but it's a thing of, um, you know, everybody says, well, we should do free free education. Well, why? Because you have to pass the course. So it's not free because you're going to have to get, you have to do something in return uh, in order to warrant that. So you could make schools that are cheaper, you know, encourage the growth or maybe fund them to get them off the ground. But it's inevitable that there's going to be dirty fingers. Um, you know, oh, well, we're growing, so we're going to have to charge more because now we've got more staff and now we're going to provide this. And it's like, well, that wasn't part of the deal. Um, Arizona State University, which has been here in Arizona for a very long time, um, it was originally founded as a, a teacher's college back in 1885. Um, and then it grew. And then as the universities became a bigger thing in Arizona, um, we only had um, you, the University of Arizona, which was in Tucson. And so there was nothing within the city of Phoenix, you know, the capital. Um, and then there was a university or school up in Flagstaff, which is in northern Arizona. So there was nothing in the middle and it was a, basically just an affordable school. It wasn't a university. So everybody could go to Arizona college or Arizona state teachers college, you know, all the different names that it had. Um, and then they decided that it needed to become a university. Uh, so we got somebody from NAU. <laughs> Daniels says, go lumberjacks. Um, yeah. which I don't, I don't live far from, I mean, I'm in Prescott. So, but, um, when they decided to become a university, see, everything starts to change. Well, then there's growth. In order to do that growth and you have more people, it costs more money. And then as you go through, you know, say from 1950-something when it became a university to now, um, it's like a forty to $60,000 education for just for basic stuff. It's very expensive, and it didn't used to be. Um you know, and then it's it, because they start to grow and then they go, well, well, if we have more money, we can now offer this. Um, so are you still there, Kirk? No, you're, it's still shows that you're logged in. I just kicked you out. So try, there you go. Stop playing with your that. phone. I don't know. It was your, don't play with your phone. You were too busy looking at something else. <laughs> Sorry. No, but I'm <laughs> go on, go on. Um, so that's kind of what's happened here. I mean, there's, the schools start out affordable, but then they grow, they profit. Teachers want more money. The buildings cost more to renovate and you got to have more room and board. It just, it never, it never goes away. So I don't know what 
like your universities and colleges would be like over there. I mean, have they basically been stagnant and they really haven't grown? You know, maybe that's the answer. Mm, well, no, they grow. Dependency is always to grow, right? There's more people. Um, there's been a lot of cutbacks, obviously, because the liberals screwed up everything in the budget. <laughs> um, but does yeah, your I'm just telling how it is, right? Did your does your government subsidize education? I mean, do they a like a lot? Oh, okay, even, that would be why. Yeah. So, but even at that, it's still still pretty expensive right because it's not just like the tuition right then there's also like living food you know so yeah it's 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 getting pretty expensive so and the thing is like it it uh yeah it stymies me it stymies your growth right because now it's not so easy to get a job right it's not like in the u.s where like there's jobs are plentiful right so yeah, I guess from our perspective, it's a little bit more complicated, whereas the U.S. economy is much bigger and the market is much bigger, obviously. So, and, and as far as I understand it, there's like so many jobs now, right? Well, yeah, I mean, they're better now. Um, but I guess you could even say it's relative to growth. But you know, the big difference is still is um, if the United States decided to subsidize schools, you're it talking. Already does. Well, no, they don't actually. It's 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 not uh, what you guys get. They they subsidize public education, um, with a monetary amount based upon its. Uh, the student population per school, and it's not very much. And then the state That's does it. the same thing, yeah. which gives you Sorry. the, you know, your <clears throat> each high school, middle school, elementary school, but the colleges don't get that. They're completely funded by tuition. Um, there are government grants that some people can get. Like there's things that some native Americans can apply for, and then they get, you know, their education can be partially or completely paid for through the government. Um, there's things like that, but the United States doesn't actually subsidize any of the education. So if you go to that school, you're paying $40,000 a year, whatever it costs, you're funding the school. But I could have sworn there was like a big scandal because some very influential people in California were like biasing the way their kids get into school. Right. And then like from that came a bunch of things that, well, these big, big name schools like Harvard and Stanford and all these people, they do get federal money. There are certain grants that they get, but it's not a subsidized education. Okay. Yeah, so totally different than what you guys get. I mean, the government pays, say, like 50% of the cost per year per school. I'm just, I'm guesstimating or just using an example. Here, they Even might here? qualify. Huh? Yeah, I'm just saying, like, uh -oh. when they subsidize there in Canada, Right, right. Your your government's probably paying fifty percent of education costs. Um, no, it's not quite like that. No, no. How it's much also grants? No, no, and and no, it's like a grant system. So yeah, it 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 is kind of a form of subsidy, but it's it's not like no, it's nowhere near that amount. If it was that amount, we probably wouldn't be complaining. It's it's no, it's more like twenty percent. You know, 
Okay. Still, yeah, yeah. we don't see that. Right. Um, and so it's, it's the students that pay it. So really the only time the government really puts in any money is if there's like government grants, um, like, but that's a per student kind of thing. And there's only so many per year that would get it. Um, if the university had some type of, uh, a degree or a specialized field, like they needed to build a facility, um, like, the uh, the FDA here, which is the Food and Drug Administration, <clears throat> let's just say the Food and Drug Administration decided that they're going to help fund a new school to put in um, like pharmacist and pharmacology and different things like that. They would they would do that kind of an investment because they'll benefit from it, but they don't they don't interject funds into the education system. I see. And like um, here uh, where I live, and if you really wanted a good kick, is Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. Um, they're the largest in the world for pilots, engineering, um, manufacturing. I mean, you can get almost into anything in aviation, working in the tower. There's only two schools in the country, and it originally started here in Prescott back in 1965, I think. Um, I'm humbled, uh... And it's it's forty thousand dollars a year, and it's like Jesus a six, it's like a six year education to become a pilot, something like that. Right, right. And then you got to repay that. And there's there's kids that come here; they're everywhere. They're they're entitled little brats because it's their parents that are paying for it. But holy smokes! But forty thousand dollars in tuition—you're not like saying everything, right? No, like, I mean that's just the tuition. Yeah, I'm assuming it includes the housing. I'm assuming. Okay. But okay. I don't it doesn't include the books, it doesn't include your food, it doesn't include right. any of the extras that you might have to to take part in. Um but that's the minimum. It's 40,000 right. a year and I think it's even more if you're a pilot. Okay, so see I I probably should have corrected that when I said 20,000 that includes basically the estimates what you need for housing. And for your food. Yeah. Nope. Not here. So total like tuition comes out to be like, you know, I don't know, 14 and a half, let's say thousand Canadian dollars. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. And, and like we, we have what you guys don't write, like the healthcare system. So, so like if you get sick or anything, that's, that's not an issue here. Right. So that's another way that the government kind of picks up the tab on that, right? So you're probably half of what it costs to go through a university here. And I'm yeah. ballpark I'm just ballparking that. Yeah, yeah, let's see. Um but well, you can go to a community college. Yeah. And yeah, it's for sure. far less expensive than going to a university. Um so, and nowadays, I think education has changed so much anyway that a $100,000 education is basically useless. You could get the same education from something that's a quarter of that cost and end up getting the, the on-the-job experience that they're going to take over something else. And we're seeing that here because Obama right. was a big one that said, go back to school, get your education, and blah, 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 because the recession was so bad. 
and now flooded with degrees and nobody can get a job. Wait, so, but, hmm. I'm a little confused because, no, I completely buy into your premise. I'm just saying the joblessness numbers are so low, right? It's like records. Yeah, but see, you have to understand the term jobless and compare it to unemployed, underemployed, retired. Yeah, once you get into that. Yeah, yeah. So they only report the jobless numbers. So that's where there's a deficit because of something. If people have been applying for jobs, they're not in those numbers. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so like right now we have an unemployment rate of 4.3%, which has been the lowest on record, you know, or since like the 1940s, 50s, I don't know. Um, however, there, that just only accounts for those actively seeking jobs, right? Not those that aren't like for me because I've been out on, on disability and until I can go back to work full time, I'm not included in those numbers, but I'm not working. I gotcha. But yeah, but you're not jobless. You're just, you know, recuperating. So right. it's you know, what I about jobless though? It, it's all a term. So you have to figure out like, it's what do you really mean? Yeah. You know, so the, the 4.3% unemployment rate is just yeah. the, unemployed those that cannot find work but they're actively seeking right so it's it's going to be a little bit higher than that of people that are unemployed because i would not be at the yeah i wouldn't even be at the the level of estimated income that would be part of that as well so there's a lot of things people don't take into consideration well, Josh, this actually is a perfect segue into something I wanted to ask you all last week, but I, I just couldn't. And then now I've saved it for this week. Is it true? I was watching a, uh, I was watching news, right? Is it true that in, I want to say Los Angeles. I'm not sure if it's San Francisco. I want to say Los Angeles. I'm going to say Los Angeles and you're going to correct me. Is it true that there's 60,000 homeless people in LA? Oh God. Yeah. Is that, how is that humanly, um, George says more. He lives just outside of LA. Um, no way. Really? Yeah, okay, I can't see the columns right now. Yeah, it's um, it's it's actually listed as a pandemic that it's that severe, and San How Francisco that, has its own rate. Possible? Like, I, I really, it's really hard for me to understand that. Like, because when you think of LA, you think of like pretty much. I don't know. I don't yeah, even know beauty, how to, babes, like, surfing, sun. In LA, right? Yeah. New York is kind of like the stuck-up city, and Miami is kind of like the party city, right? So when you think of LA, it's just that perfect balance. You don't really think about homeless people, right? Um, so, the, and you can approach that from many different ways. Um, they're probably not all originally from LA, so it's people coming in that get stuck uh, in in the chaos of LA. So then they become homeless you have transients that make their way in and become part of that. So I don't know what the breakdown would be, but yes, those, those are the numbers. And I don't even know what San Francisco is, but they also have, I think something like that or greater. And then 
the diseases. They were the city of Los Angeles was going around and spraying the streets because there was a, an epidemic of hepatitis C. Um, and George is saying like rats, and it's it's disgusting. Nobody cares. Christina, hello. I'll hop off here and let Christina. Like, no, I think you'll be fine because she comes in quiet. Although, hi. Oh Jesus! You were up way too long. <laughs> <laughs> Just blew my eardrums oh, out. Oh my god. <laughs> That's what you get. No. Hi guys. Hello. How's it going, Christina? Fantastic. How are you doing, Kirk and Josh? Good. I don't know why <clears throat> Kirk comes in so quiet compared to everybody else. Everyone else comes in so loud. Um, but anyway, he dropped I'm off. Quiet? No, he he feels be quiet. As he should. Don't feel bad. No, he should. It's, it's Canadians, you know. Oh, he's Canadian, eh? Yeah. Oh, they're nice people. Well, Western Canada is. We were just talking about that. <clears throat> and sorry, eh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's got that. Uh, he's in Saskatchewan, so he's got that like uh, really remote internet service. So it's like oh, he's in Saskatchewan. Yeah, hoser. <laughs> <laughs> and we now have an international incident. Oh, strange brew, yeah. Here, if you find a mouse in your beer, it's free, eh? Benvenue. Nice car. <laughs> <laughs> I was showing that to my dad last week or two ago. I said, have you seen the, the greeting beaver in Canada? He's like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's a talking beaver, and he greets everybody that drives into Canada. Oh, God, I didn't think he was going to stop laughing. Hi. Welcome to Canada. Nice car. Benvenue. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, Kirk! If you haven't seen that video, uh, I'll post it in the the blog on my website. Yeah, that's an oldie but a goodie. Never gets old. No, never. That and the talking dog. So, uh, what have you all not discussed tonight? Um, nothing that you posted to me earlier today. But uh, before we do that, real quick. Um, because I've been waiting for enough people to tell. So, a friend <laughs> mine, yeah, a friend of mine. Um, her name's Based Amy. She's the uh, British woman that popped the baby Trump balloon in London back in June, and uh, she's she's a she's American and she's British, and she's been a huge Trump supporter. She's just going full at it over in the UK, and uh, <laughs> she. <laughs> God lover, she walked into Parliament, and one of the conservative MPs or whatever um, was talking about Brexit and mm-hmm. basically lying. And Amy's walking through, and she calls out her name. She goes, "She's a traitor!" And as she says that, the security have her like moved away, and the MP standing there, and she's looking at her like, just you know, she's pissed. And she's saying, call the police, call the police. I want her arrested over something because she called her a traitor, right? Um, (laughs) And so now that this happened, the police are now arresting her for harassment charges. Oh, my God. Um, 
Amy sent me a message this morning as a copy of her text message. And here's what's funny. This would not happen in America. They were pounding on her door at 2 a.m., like two or three days in a row. Uh, and she didn't answer. <laughs> they text messaged her. And the text message reads as follow. Hello, Miss, uh, I won't say her last name. I was wondering if you could bring someone along whom would act as your appropriate adult. This will assist you in your interview. See you at 1500 hours at the Charing Cross police station. Her response, sorry, I say I can't make it. (laughs) Then they go on in another text that says, hello again, just to let you know that you are currently shown as wanted on our police national computer. It would be best that you hand yourself into the nearest police station. (laughs) She then said, she goes, they came to me this morning. I didn't answer the door. And she's been reporting live from these undisclosed locations all day. And it's been hysterical. But only in the United Kingdom can you basically be arrested for sneezing and they're going to text you to let you know you need to come in. We don't do Okay. So legitimately, have any of you listened to their parliament sit there and talk? Because I've been listening in to Bojo, Boris Johnson, Mm -hmm. the last couple of weeks now that he's PM. Right. They are unruly. Oh, yeah. How dare they? I love it. <laughs> love it. I wish we would do it. But and actually, they're they're the same as um, in in Ireland, the Euroctus. They mm-hmm. do the same thing. Their parliament, they argue and scream at each other. I love it. I've never been so in tuned in politics when I lived there. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, no, yeah they are not polite. They sit and scream at each other. And the I'm not sure their politics, like what you call them, but the guy that has the gavel that tries to get everybody to order. Yeah, the Lord. He's basically the same as the, he's the, um, like Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House. That's, ah. what it is, but it's, they always say, yes, my Lord, or whatever. But he's always like, order, order, slamming his, I love it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Must watch TV. Yeah, no, they were uh, they were cracking me up, and they tell jokes too, like little biting quips and stuff. And it was very entertaining to watch them the last couple of days. Yeah, and, it, and if you if you like it, you need to just dial up and, and find some video on the Irish Parliament. It's just as fun because they're set up <clears throat> similar to the United States because when they declared their independence they adopted our constitution basically as theirs and then so their system of doing things is a little similar to ours but acts like the british parliament um and it's fun when you get to when you yeah that's it that's all aaron um i loved the way that it worked because when i was there for three years i mean i threw myself into politics because it was so much fun of the government so if the the Taoiseach is is elected they can decide who gets what job and like while I was there I think one person had four different jobs in the time I was there in those three years Uh, yeah it's just it's a fascinating form of government Um, and I actually when I was there I got to I met the the Tandishta which is the um, the basically the vice prime minister. Um, mm-hmm. 
and the the justice the minister for justice and some other people and so i got to learn a lot but if they've got video on youtube so if you've got time look it up because it's just it's fascinating (laughs) and they don't have the weird robes and all that stuff oh it was completely entertaining oh yeah you could listen to it for hours it's it, it I just, it's like C-SPAN. We need, you know, like P-SPAN. P-SPAN. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that way we could watch it 24 hours a day. I don't know. Like our politics in the United States and in Congress are so heated right now. They might start throwing punches. Yeah. Which actually would be great for pay-per-view. I would pay for that. Like AOC and Dan Crenshaw going at it. You know, um, Karen was saying in in the chat that they may not speak without permission of the chair. And I think I vaguely remember something like that. Um, It's been a while since I watched. I used to watch the Euroctus report, but I can't get it anymore. I wish they would wear the wigs again. (laughs) Yeah, no, I would totally be in. I would pay good money to watch our politicians like duke it out on the House floor or the Senate floor. Yeah. Like somebody and, knocked Pelosi right in the face. I would, <laughs> there, I would sell a kidney to watch that. Was it in, um, I don't know if it was in Georgia, not the U S Georgia, but the country Georgia. I think it was like in Georgia or somewhere over in that area where the, the parliament got into a scuffle and somebody, they started fighting and like they were punching <laughs> each other and they had to drag people out of the, the chamber. It was bizarre. Hey, you know what? That's healthy. It's all healthy. Just let them work it out. It's fine. Totally fine. Aaron, 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 Aaron. I'd give both balls. You know, you're you're unhealthily obsessed with balls, Aaron. I'm just going to toss it out there. You might want to see a therapist about that. <laughs> yeah, there's been quite Saying. a few mentions tonight, but uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so you've had quite a bit to uh to talk about it so um go for it oh god what a day okay so did you guys talk about san francisco uh i brought it up but there wasn't that many people at the time so go ahead okay so san francisco today declared the nra as a terrorist organization a domestic terrorist organization yeah I like, think. what? Yeah. What? No. no. You guys have poop in the streets. You need an app in order to walk around to make sure you don't step in homeless people poo. And the NRA is your enemy. And my logic on that is, fine, take all the guns out of San Francisco, see what happens. You'll have absolutely nothing but hobos and heroin and gangbangers shooting rich white people. That's going to go over really well. <laughs> go for it. Yeah. But, you know, the lawsuit that's going to come out of this is going to be, like, epic. Well, Absolutely epic. I don't, I, you know, I, George um, George and I kind of briefly talked about this because, you know, he's in California. Um, the, the council there, whether it's county or city, they can do whatever they want. The question is, is someone going to take it as an unconstitutional um, law because you can only exceed federal law. You cannot circumvent or be less than federal law. So since the there hasn't been a terrorist designation by the Department of State, legally and technically, they can't do it. Right. 
So it'll be a question of, will it go to court? It, you know, it's going to go through the Ninth Circuit and they're going to just go, oh, yes, it's fine. It's legal. And then you're going to have to challenge it at the Supreme Court. And of course, they probably won't even hear it. Well, so it's I, just ridiculous. Like, that's ridiculous. And like George said, it's an epic waste of money. Of course. Um, for those of you who don't know, I lived in Washington State for five years. And that was the craziest introduction into like the brain dead liberals because I was born and raised in Arizona and Arizona we're pretty moderate like that's the best way to explain Arizona like we're conservative but we're also liberal because we don't want you trampling on our rights so I don't care I, I literally don't care who you are and what you do the minute that you come into my space and my family and my home and try to do something that's when we have a problem so Washington's completely different. Like they, they focus on everybody around them except themselves. Like they are so concerned with everything around them and they want to interject themselves in everything that they, they don't pay attention to what's actually going on at home. And their um, attorney general, Bob Ferguson, who is a total douchebag, likes to sue Donald Trump. And he'll come out and be like, oh, we're suing him again. And I'm waiting for the taxpayer to be like, oh, shit, I'm paying for these. Like, I'm paying for these lawsuits. This is coming out of the tax dollars. And then Seattle just went ahead and said, you know what? We need more money. We're going to do a, it was like $406 million or billion dollar levy or something. They want to do a state sales tax. There is no state sales tax in Seattle or in Washington. Mm-hmm. And I'm waiting for the time and the period when they finally wake up and say, wait a second. You just wasted like a billion dollars on lawsuits that you lost. All of these you've lost. Right. Like the the border, we're suing the president for the border and separating families. It's like, well, you don't have any proof that he separated families at all. Like that is the worst concentration camp I've ever seen where you can leave whenever you want to and just go back to Mexico. Yeah, exactly. So, <clears throat> so I think it's going to take some, you know, frivolous lawsuits from these people for them to finally say, hey, you know what? You should probably vote these people out. And like I tell people in Seattle still, I was like, no one's coming to save you. Like I have washed my hands of you people. If you haven't figured it out by now, tough. Um, And they're starting to. I don't think it'll necessarily go purple or like fully red, but maybe purplish, like bluish purple. And that's the best you can hope at at places like that. Which is fine. Right. I, you know, it's still better to be middle of the road because at least you can have a conversation. But um, yeah, like Cali threatening to take Trump off the ballot. How unconstitutional is that? Hundo percent, like hundo for fundo percent. You cannot do that. That is something that you just you cannot do. Oh, because he didn't show us our tax, you know, the the his tax records. Well, I want to see Nancy Pelosi's tax records. Well, not only that, as long as the constitutional bylaws of the state are met, they cannot remove a candidate. It's illegal. Yeah. So. California makes their own rules, Josh or uh, George, because what people don't understand about California is they are 100 percent broke. There is no money for pensions, for their teachers, for their police officers. There is nothing left in that state. Like, that's the only reason why they got Proposition 64 for weed. Because they're like, oh, this is going to be a cash cow and a moneymaker. 
uh, reality is it doesn't make that much money. I'm going to be honest with you. I watched it in Washington state and they're going to just divert it all anyway into politics. Like that's exactly what's been happening. What's going to happen. Like these people, the only way that California is going to be saved is if Californians save it. Like there's nobody who can come and save you. Let me ask you this. Um, And actually, before I ask you this question, I'll just point this out. Um, If California wins the whole thing where they're taking Trump off the ballot, all you got to do is write the guy in. Simple as that. It's still, they can't can't get rid of him. But um, do you think that the reason why we're not seeing a whole lot of movement, a whole lot of convictions, all the stuff going on, do you think he's just waiting for reelection and then he's just going to go in and just pound people into the ground? Well, if I was a betting woman, which I am, and I think Trump is a very, very stable genius. Mm-hmm. I think what's going to happen is probably about February of 2020. That's when things are going to happen because you don't want to expose people now because it's way too soon before the election. But I think next summer we're going to have some fireworks. I really do. And I think that, you know, people keep talking about how, well, nobody, Jim Comey's still able to walk around and uh, Strozak is allowed to walk around. Clinton's still walking around. Well, things are getting very uncomfortable for them walking around in public. I don't know if you guys caught the, the little clip, but I saw Justin Trudeau over the weekend in Canada, speaking of Canada Kirk, uh, was up at some tiny little town doing some parade and he was heckled. They heckled his ass. You know, Maxine Waters can't go out in public. They all have bodyguards here in the United States. You know, these guys want to take your guns, but they all have bodyguards. I bet Omar is very uncomfortable in public. So I think that he's he's a smart guy. He's doing what I would do. He's a vindictive bastard, which I love, is let the public go ahead and deal with you for a while. And then as soon as I'm about to run for reelection next summer, we're going to have some massive fireworks. Well, I hope so. I Part of me, there's just times where I'm like, uh, and then I got to think, okay, keep the faith. You know what Trump is. So think of this as the apprentice. There's got to be something that he's planning. Um, because it, even politically, first-term presidents don't do much because it's too difficult. Once they're reelected, it doesn't matter. That's your that's your last chance anyway. So you generally, that's when everything gets done because nothing else matters. No, you're very right. You're 100% right on that. But that's what I'm hoping is thinking the the political move from it and him is that I'm it's going to be like Thor coming down with the hammer. Do you honestly think he's going to be a lame duck president though? I think the best is yet to come and he's about to like show yeah. us like there well, he's not a, he won't be a lame duck. No, and but like, I'm, I'm basing that on the political strategy which is president and knowing Trump, businessman, right? That would make sense. So I haven't been too worried about him because I'm thinking there's just more coming out. Like he's waiting because it could make he could go down in history as the most amazing president that we've ever had if he succeeds in the 2020 election 
if we get a full sweep House and Senate, he could go down as, you know, the most incredible thing that's ever happened. Well, you heard about what happened in Boston last weekend, right? With Antipa? Uh, you guys talk about this stuff yet? No. This is huge, by the way. <clears throat> so it takes about 48 to 72 hours for, like, the right wing. I, I guess I, don't, I hate calling it right wing, but, like, the more woke group of us to start reporting on it. But last weekend in Boston, they had a straight pride rally, which I think is hilarious because I've always said, you know, if LGBTQ or whatever was inclusive, you would have straight people in there too. Cause mm-hmm. that's a sexuality, whether you like it or not. Like I completely support hundred percent support anything that has to do with you choosing your own partners. I don't care. Literally don't care. But if you want to be all inclusive, why wouldn't you have straight people in there too? That's a you know sexual preference is to be a heterosexual human being. So Antifa goes out and they start causing problems. And this is in Boston. If you've ever been to Boston, they love their city, hundred percent. Like they are, they love their city. They love their police officers. It's a lot of pride. Now, what they did is they started throwing urine and chemicals on the police officers, and they arrested about 30 of them. Oh, my God. And instead of Portland, where they're like, oh, well, you're just young, they threw the book at them. They charged them with assaulting police officers. They charged them with, you know, resisting arrest. Every possible charge they could possibly give these people, they did. So we find out today that AOC and Tlaib are actually fundraising in Boston for Antifa to bail out of jail. And it's out there. Yeah. They're fundraising for Antifa. So what's going to happen is as soon as it actually comes up and people start talking about it and have the actual fundraiser sheets passed around the internet, which again, it takes about 48 hours. He's going to declare them a terrorist organization, a domestic terrorist organization. And they'll try to be like, oh, well, it's because San Francisco, you know, with the NRA and blah, blah. But no, this is the point where he's going to show the American people, the people that you put into office support literal terrorists. Like these people literally terrorize normal people. They In Portland, they beat up a man and his young daughter, his underage minor daughter. And if this doesn't help him, you know, God save our country. But I, I honestly think with every day that goes by with like the uh, Francis O'Dork is what I call them <laughs> coming out and saying on Monday, yes, I will take your AR-15s. It's like, why? It's just a shotgun. It's a fancy dolled up shotgun. Mm-hmm. You know, every time they say something dumb like this or AOC saying that hurricanes are because of climate change. It's like, what? Really? Seriously? Um, more of those blue people that are towards the center are going to be like, you know what? Maybe I was wrong. I was totally wrong about Trump. Yeah, he's crass. Yeah, I don't like some of the things he says, but he's not wrong. And he's got a really, really good chance to absolutely landslide 2020. I Yeah, I mean, I think so as well. Um, but anything can happen between now and the election. It could. 
Anything could happen. Are you there? No, I'm here. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of these people got into office, though, because of voter fraud. Um, and if you guys ever need confirmation that things are happening in the Department of Justice, please go visit the Department of Justice's website. And please go look at the news. Every single day, they're bringing people to task for what they've done. You pay at the people uh, fraudulently voting, uh, the opioid companies, illegal immigrants, child trafficking, and child porn. Like, the DOJ is busy. Barr is a busy, busy beaver. <clears throat> and there's lots of people that, a couple months ago, actually, they had, like, a roundup of illegal immigrants who were double, triple, quadruple voting, and they're all Democrats. You know, you don't have Republicans that go out and say, well, I'm just going to vote six times for Bush because I really want Bush to win. They're all Democrats, all of them. Um, Project Veritas had a little tiny um, video of a Florida resident who was going in between Florida and Massachusetts and voting in both states. And they caught him and they said, hey, what's going on? And he's like, oh, well, I must have forgotten I voted. It's like, how do you forget you vote? So voter fraud is the only reason why the AOCs and the Omars and the Pelosi's like that's 